The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Ecclesia, welcome to the second Sunday of Easter. Um, we're in a 200-year-old church in Turkey. In fact, we've gotten to see a lot of churches that were decimated. And in some ways, it, it's felt um, like a metaphor for the state of the church. Uh, in the very place that the church originally started, in Antioch, the original site of the early church that Peter and Paul first met. In terms of church history, it's super important. Not only is the church established, but the first big dispute for the church was resolved. You see, Peter and Paul both had different ideas about what the church was supposed to be. For Paul, Paul said, Jesus love us for all people. And it reaches to all people. In fact, everybody's gonna worship Jesus in a different way because people eat different food and they have different cultures and life is different. We see that in Houston. Peter said, actually, it's the Jewish people that know how to worship. We know how to worship, we've been doing it forever. We clip foreskins of babies on a certain day and we have Sabbath on a certain day and we do it this way and we worship and we, this way and we pray this way and this is how you do it. And it was in that tension where Peter was saying, everybody's got to become like Jews. And Paul was saying, nah, not so much. As long as you worship Jesus, you love Jesus, it doesn't really matter. It's in that place of Antioch that that dispute was settled. God, thank God, was on Paul's side. In fact, it, one of the ministries we visited here, Pastor Chank said to us, right? He said, I, I just have this vision. He is a tent city. Pastor Chank, you wouldn't know he's a pastor if you walked up and met him. Pastor Chank came from Istanbul where he pastors a church. And he, he got here and he just started doing what you do. And he ended up with a tent city. He found a friend that had tents, started getting tents because people didn't have a place to live, put them in tents, and now he's got a community of people. They have church there, they feed people, they care for people, and they're gonna need homes for quite a while and it's gonna be their home. In fact, I wanted you to hear just a little bit of this story and see this tent city. And uh, we came here and we saw the here. I said, that's place. Wow. We felt the peace here. This is all spirit. This is, yeah. this is a God's business. Yeah. This, you know, we just, I'm just following his spirit and he just bring me here. Need is huge. Yeah. It, you know, it's 15 million effect. Yeah. Need is huge, but we are just trying to do our best. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. For example, and this we are giving them the every tent two mat. Okay. We are giving them the there's a blanket two, and we are giving them also here uh, sleep bag. You were moving fast. You yeah. Yes, quick. Everything is because if when you in God's way, everything will be moved. 
there's not many handlers. But first, when we came here, we said we have to put fancy around yeah. because protection is very important because I said we are the city of emergency place and we have to build safe safe place and the people will come to church because of safe place. Yeah, yeah. you know, this, this, this is church. Yeah. We are here, this is church. We have to build safe place to, and praise Lord. And when people, families came, they say, oh, this is safe place for our kids, for our children, for us, you know. I can see you. It's clean. Yeah. You yeah. have good hygiene, because, sanitation, yeah, water, because, food. Because we are represented the God. Yeah. I put the, you should maybe fancy my church's name. People see this is church. Yeah. If people see the church, they have to see it different. We are representing his kingdom. Yeah. Even many people, I can tell many testimony we heard from people here. Oh, you guys see Christian? You are always joyful. You are always laughing. You're always helping. Oh my goodness, this is even. Yesterday, one Muslim lady, but she is Christian right now. Yesterday was Muslim. She called to 10 to 10. She said, hey, we will pray for 4 p.m. Come, Muslim. Mm. She's Muslim. Yeah. She called the people, the church, it's Muslim, you know? Mm. And she, of course, accepted Jesus after. Mm. They said, oh, I'm Muslim, but thanks so much for helping. Wow. That's enough for me, I know. Ecclesia, don't you want to partner with churches like that? A pastor from Istanbul that just says, I'm going and this is what we're going to do. And in a largely Muslim area, they're just sharing the love of Jesus in really tangible ways. And people are responding and they get it. And it's a beautiful thing. Pastor Chank had this thought that maybe Paul walked down that street and just prayed a blessing over that land. And somehow that's how he ended up with it. I don't know if that's how it happened, but I know that to be in the ancient area of Antioch, where the church was first established, and now we stand with churches that are hanging on by a thread. Their, their buildings are destroyed. They were already small. They lacked the finances and strength, like this church, that's trying to get back their property from the state, and they need to raise money now to rebuild and to care for people in their community. So what do we do? We do what the church does. Anybody remember what happened for us after Harvey? After Harvey, what happened? Churches from all over leaned in, and they helped us. And you know what we do when there's a disaster in Turkey, or in Ukraine, or in Venezuela? We lean in. We lean in because we're a part of one church. And so part of our challenge now as a church is our budget was this and it needs to be this because we've got to share a little bit more. And I want to invite you this week to think about what does it mean to make giving to our church and our resources and our time and our energy a priority because we belong here. We're going to have a presence here. We're going to support our friends here. That's part of what we do. And in fact, what if the things of this world are not the things that matter most? Instead, how can we give? How can we love? How can we serve? How can we protect? And I've got to tell you, the difference that it makes here in rebuilding a church, in helping a church feed their community, those things matter. As we think about that more plentiful table, I'm so blessed 
Ecclesia, that we get to do this work together. We move towards people and their suffering. That's what we do. And whether it's at the Venezuela border or it's currently in Poland, I was watching ABC News recently and they told the story of a pastor at the front lines sharing bread and praying for people. And I don't know for sure, but I think it may be one of the pastors that's sharing the bread, thousand loaves that go out every day because Ecclesia exists and because we give. And I believe in this place, God's called us as well to have a long-term presence. And that means if we look at the budget, if we look at what we're doing, well, we can't do that, but we can, but we can. If we see the table that's being prepared for us and it's not the one that your neighbor thinks is so important where it's all about our house and our cars and our things and which private school and all the rest of it. Instead, it's about how we open our hands and share. I'm so blessed that our friend Diego has led us into many of these places of darkness and difficulty. It was Diego when I was preaching in Mexico City that came up and said, if you really care for Venezuelans, you'll meet me at the border in a couple of weeks. It was like a dare. I had to take it. I, I love this guy. Uh, we've been in hurricane situations together. We've been at Venezuela border uh, together. We've shared some amazing meals. We've been in Poland and in the Ukraine together just weeks after the war. And now, weeks after the earthquake, we get to be here in Turkey together. And Diego has got a unique perspective on our church and what we do. And I wanted you to hear directly from him. And maybe you can decide, is this something that I'm proud of? That this is what we get to do as a church? Because I got to tell you, as your pastor of a church that's almost going to be 25 years old, I couldn't be more proud. And I want to invite you to say, let's lean in more. Let's do more. It's the table that matters. Ecclesia, this is our friend, Diego. My name is Diego. I'm from Chile. I lead a team uh, internationally, and we deployed in any kind of uh, human disaster or natural disaster worldwide. Our expertise is to, as Latinos, because most of my team, we are Latinos, uh, we try to fill the gaps, and we try to be very careful and good stewards with the little money that we have. We stretch that dollar so far that we can be relevant for the people that need it on the ground. Turkey uh, earthquake disaster has been very different. On these scenarios, you have to adapt, you have to be flexible, you have to understand the culture and the religion too. It's just different challenges that we have to understand to face and to react and respond you know, in, a, in a way that is relevant for the people. I try to avoid being that wise savior uh, kind of type of responder. That's not what the world needs anymore, you know? They need people to listen to them, first of all. Sometimes even money is not the answer even. Sometimes the answer is to be there with them and comfort them and listen to them. And a hot meal sometimes, it changed their whole life after such a dark, traumatic experience. Most of the time it's a drop in the ocean. We understand that. But there is a, a proverb, a Jewish proverb said, like one life means the world. You know, if you say one life, you save the world. It's not about the numbers. It's about God opening, walking in front of us and meeting up the right people. A couple years ago when the Venezuela crisis happened, I can't even tell you all the details because I, I don't even remember. I just know 
that at the end of the day, we ended up working with Chris, with Ecclesia, doing crazy things. We heard some people saying like, oh, we haven't tried meat in two years or three years. And Chris is like, let's do something. Let's throw a barbecue. Of course, Texans, of course. And I'm like, okay, how many people, 500? Oh no, let's go for 5,000. We ended up making 8,000 hamburgers, grilled ones. That tells me what kind of people we are dealing with. Not many churches are willing to come, you know, deploy. And it was the very first time that I see someone wanting just to bring and build relationship locally, long-term. I can feel safe sharing to Ramon or Chris something personal and saying like, hey, I'm in Ukraine. We found this bakery, you know, and people need bread. And Chris is like, tomorrow we're uh, raising an offering and we are, you're gonna get it. I know that 2,000 loaves of bread that are being made daily right now are feeding 2,000 families in this moment. The word for this is to be faithful. You know, and, and I feel that Ecclesia has been so faithful. In the places that we work together, you know, like Kukuta, we left, yes, years ago, but you guys are still there. Your pennies, your dollars, your uh, givings, and your prayers are still there in action through this lady that is giving 2,000 loaves of bread daily to the bomb shelters in the front line. So it's, it's just like daily miracles. I can see you, don't you love Diego? Can you imagine? The stories are amazing. I gotta tell you, I hate earthquakes. We have stood over buildings that are collapsed and literally you see furniture and beds and chairs and you know that people are still inside. And there's a tension here. Even if we attempt to take a photo, it's a holy place, it's holy ground. What do we learn from this? I hate disasters. I hate earthquakes. I hate hurricanes. I hate war. But in all of them, there's an opportunity to extend the love of Christ to all humanity. Muslim, Christian, male, female, old, young. It breaks all barriers. All the barriers come down. Ecclesia, what kind of world do we want to live in? One where the barriers come down, where we love all people. So today, I want to invite you as we come to communion, what does it look like to live a life that says, we may never worship in this church, but don't we want to see it rebuild? We may never eat with our brothers and sisters in Antioch, but don't we want the church to thrive? Don't we want to pay for the food and the bread that they get to offer their community? And the answer is yes. And one day in heaven, I believe, we'll all sit together and you will be greeted by children from Africa and Asia and Latin America that will say, thanks, you drilled a water well in my community. This week, another went in in Cambodia. Over and over, we get to hear these stories. And and that we get to say, we're a part of that. So as you come to the table, I wanna remind you, the bread that we eat, little different, but a lot the same as the bread that we feast on with our brothers and sisters in Turkey. Little bit different, but a lot the same as the bread that's going out in the Ukraine. We're joined at one table. The earthquake has reminded us that the things we thought were important 
we're not so important. As we take a moment to turn towards the table, will you join me as we pray? Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of a church that loves all people. And we pray today that you would give us eyes to see a church here that's been rebuilt and restored, where everyone is worshiping and celebrating in the same way that we have space for our kids and air conditioning and all the rest. Lord, may it be so here in Turkey. May the church thrive and extend its love to all people. And may we be part of it. We ask today that you would bless us, that you would help us to see that fine robes and great clothes and cars and these things that we thought mattered, they matter so little. That like after a disaster, whether you're rich or poor, we're all together. Lord, may our church be defined by our generosity, by our radical, inclusive love. We pray all of this together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Ecclesia, to say I'm uh, proud to represent you in these places is the greatest understatement. I, I believe that when you go to work, when I, when I get to serve and work, and I know that part of the reason I work is because we share from the overflow from what we have to make a difference in these places, it changes my outlook on everything. I, I have to tell you, I'm as human as you are, and I'm also 51 now, so I don't travel as easy as I used to. And when Diego is calling me, did you guys like meeting Diego, by the way? You've heard some Diego stories through the years, and hopefully you get a little sense of like, this man is a character out of a book. I mean, he literally just lands in these places, and he starts putting together a doctor from El Salvador, and some people from the Philippines, and a nurse from Mexico City, and he just starts bringing them all there, and they create this team, and they just love people. And what we get to do is just help feed people. Right? We get to buy the bread. By the way, did you notice that we've been saying we do 1,000 loaves of bread and they doubled it to 2,000? They did it because um, a, a truckload of flour came in for free. And so what happened is for this season, they got a massive truckload of flour. And so now we're just paying the labor and the other things and the flour was free, right? So they got to double from 1,000 to 2,000. I mean, it literally, it's, it's the multiplication, right? I mean, it's literally this miracle of a free truckload of flour that changes things. And, and what we get to do is lean in in those places. And I gotta tell you, when Diego's messaging me, I, I flashed back to my time in Haiti after the earthquake. And in Haiti, I smelt a smell that I never wanted to smell again. We were at buildings where there were still bodies and remains. And I thought, I, I never wanna smell that again. And I knew if I go to Turkey, we were walking over the rubble to get to a church. And in the rubble, one of those places, I think the next photo should have, there was the toothbrush of a child, right? Can you see it in there? And it was one of those, like, there's so much devastation and you have one thing that stands out to you. And a kid's toothbrush, just like, and I knew, like, this, this kid's here. So I want to tell you about my favorite pastor there that you didn't, the, hate, the thing I hate about these videos is I preach too long when I'm there and then they got to cut out like half of it. And it was really good. If you want to see the other half, we need to do like a cutting floor episode. But I get to tell you about Pastor Elmas. Elmas is a pastor literally in Antioch. So in Antioch, the story goes, Peter started the very first church in Antioch on a cave in a mountain. And down that mountain, if you walk down the mountain and you walk about 
um, three minutes this way, I should have put a photo up, you'd end up at the house of Elmas. Elmas's door, her, her, um, church was, her, um, her church was devastated, her house was devastated, the door still remains, and you'll notice what's on the door. This is the marker in the ancient world and in the ancient church for a follower of Jesus. And Elmas is a pastor who everybody in the community knows, she's a Christian pastor. And she lived next to a building that looks, I think I put a sort of photo of that. There, was, there, there, there should be a different one with a few, I didn't send it. It's on my phone, I'll show it to you later. It used to be a 15-story building. I live in a 16-story building. When they described it, I just, and it's cleared. Some of them were not cleared, this one was cleared. And in that building, not a single person survived. 350 people perished. A lot of those people were members of Elmas's church because she lives next door and has a fish on her door and people go, you got a fish on your door, what do you believe, what are you about? And she tells us that she lost more than half of their church the night of the earthquake. Can you imagine? You can't do funerals for half of your church. It's not actually possible. So let me tell you what the ask is. We, we then made a journey to try to see the church that Elmas pastors, but we literally couldn't get there. It, we were walking over the devastation and all of the, all of the death was more than we could take and we turned back. But this is what we're seeking to do immediately. And I wanna invite you as we come to communion to give and, this, and to just do what we do as a church. And when we give, it's out of the overflow of our budget that we say, this is what we're gonna do. And so what we're trying to do right now are a few things. One, we're gonna feed people. So we want to work with the churches to provide food. I, we ate while we were there. I, I'm fitting into my jeans pretty well right now because I was in Turkey for too long and the food wasn't good. Um, and so what we want like to do when we get to these places, Diego told you, like, we like to up the food. I learned, I did a consultation many years ago with the Navy where I trained their chaplains. I actually went out on an Air Force uh, on one of the aircraft carriers. And you know what they eat out there? They eat great food. <laughs> and they say food is morale. Anybody else realize, like, if your life's falling apart, what happens after a funeral? Like, people bring you casseroles, like King Ranch casserole. Kristen made one last week. It was so good, right? And, and you eat a casserole and you're like, my life kind of sucks, but that casserole tastes good, right? And you're just like, ah, oh, I feel a little better. So what we wanna do, we wanna feed people. And then we are trying to provide trailers and homes specifically for some pastors. What we've learned in hurricanes is if the pastor doesn't have a house, they can't help other people. So what we try to do is get them set up in a house. Right now it'll be a trailer, but it's at least a place they can sleep and rest and wash up and then get ready to work hard another day. And so we're ready to do that. And then the long-term plan, and I think this one's the really important part after we do all that, is to help them rebuild their churches. Because there is this sense, if in the site of the very first church, we were to allow the church to essentially die because we didn't help, that would kind of be on us right? And those churches bring the good news to people that really need to hear it. And so what we want to do is help them do that. So as we come to communion today, I want to invite you, one, just to celebrate this day and to be grateful for what we have. All of us know some grief. We've known the loss of a loved one. You've experienced pain, divorce or bankruptcy or the loss of a job. We all know grief in different forms. 
This is a lot of grief for a lot of people. What we want to do, what I tell people at a funeral, I've stood here too many times, sometimes at the, uh, the funeral of even children. And this is what I tell people at a funeral. Right? Grief is like poison. If you have to drink it by yourself, it'll kill you. But if everybody will just take a little sip for you, right? That's what happens at a funeral. People come around and they just go, I'll take a little bit of that grief for you. I'll hold it. And you don't have to drink it all. Like, I'll drink it with you. And together, we can all tolerate it. And so what we're seeking to do is say, hey, there's a lot there to drink down, but we, we want to lean in with you and we want to be a part of it. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecstasyahouston.org.